Jim and Paulette were sharing with me this morning that Austin liked coming to church here, and that one of the things that he liked was my sermons, because he never knew where I was going. He would love this one, because neither do I. There are a lot of questions that we have on a day like this, and we can't know all the answers, and sometimes that's tough. You'll spend the rest of your life wondering why and asking a lot of questions. There's a scripture I found a while back in in Deuteronomy. It's just a lovely little mention. In in Deuteronomy 29.29, it just simply says, the secret things belong to God. And at some point in our lives, we just have to say, there are questions that will never be answered. There's things we will never know. And that's okay, because we trust that the secret things belong to God. But today I want to ask you a different question. And my question for you today is, is your God too small? Is your God too small? If you would, if you've got a Bible with you, we're gonna, I want to read Isaiah 40, the entire chapter this morning. And then just have a few comments on, on this. Isaiah chapter 40. If you're using the Bibles in the pew, <clears throat> it's um, page 599 is where I think you find Isaiah 40. <clears throat> I have been looking at doing a series on Isaiah this fall. And um, I'll give this chapter more proper treatment when we do that. Isaiah starts off in in verse 1, Isaiah chapter 40. Comfort. Comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity, her sin is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together from the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says cry. And I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like a flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, and when a breath, the breath of the Lord blows on it, surely the people are as grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Get you up on a high mountain, O Zion. Herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength. O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold, the Lord God comes with might and His arm rules for Him. Behold, His reward is with Him and His recompense before Him. He will tend His flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in His arms. He will carry them in His bosom and gently lead those that are with young. 
Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens with a span, enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance? Who has measured the spirit of the Lord? Or what man shows him with him as counsel? Whom did he consult? And who made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice and taught him knowledge? Who showed him the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are a drop from a bucket and are accounted as dust on the scales. Behold, he takes up the coastlands like fine dust. Lebanon will not suffice for fuel, nor are its beasts enough for burnt offerings. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are accounted by him as less than nothing and emptiness. To whom will you liken your God? Or what likeness compare with him? An idol. A craftsman casts it. A goldsmith overlays it with gold and casts it for silver chains. He who is too impoverished for an offering chooses wood that will not rot. And he seeks out a skilled craftsman to set up an idol that will not move. Do you not know? Do you not hear? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in, who brings princes to nothing and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness. Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown, scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth. When he blows on them and they wither, and the tempest carries them off like stubble. To whom then will you compare me that I should be like him, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and see. Who created these? He who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name, by the greatest of his might. And because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary. And young men shall fall, exhausted. They who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. And they shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run, not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. Is your God too small? Verse 12 asks, Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hands? And just about every morning I get up and I'm getting ready and I'll splash some water on my face because that's that's how I get going. And you know, you get the water the right temperature and you put your hands under the sink and you splash the water on your face. How much can you fit in your hands? I don't know. You know, not, not much. Not even a cup's worth in my hands. He says that God measures the oceans in the hollow of his hand. I, it's 
working on this this morning. I was thinking about this, and I was wondering, how much is that? How, how much could that be? So, of course, I consulted Siri on my phone, and I asked Siri, I said, Siri, how much water is there on earth? And Siri said, give me a minute. <laughs> and then she said, 3.661 to the 10th, 3.661 times 10 to the 20th power gallons. <laughs> That's how much water there is on earth. I can't, I can't understand, I can't fathom that. And yet God holds that in the, in the hollow of his hands. He says in verse 12, he marks off the heavens with a span. And so I asked Siri, Siri, what's the furthest star away from earth? And Siri said, let me think about that. (laughs) And then she gave me a link. The link was from 1997. 1997. And she said that the furthest star in 1997 that had been measured, that we could observe, was 10.4 million light years away. 10.4 million. So if light travels a certain distance for a year, 10.4 million light years. That's how far it was. That was the furthest observable star in 1997. And now we have the Hubble telescope, which uh, Jim Burgett uh, worked on, <laughs> built. I don't know what Jim did. He something to do with, with the Hubble telescope. The Hubble telescope has viewed light 13.2 billion light years away. I can't understand that. And you know, we'll sit and argue about well, how can God do this and could God have created all of this. Do you know what God says in verse 12? I measure it with a span. You know what a span is? It's from your thumb to your pinky. It's the length of your, of your hand. God says, I measure that with a span. And we're not even done measuring it yet. <laughs> we haven't quite gotten it all. But God says, I measure that with a span. Now, if, if your God can't hold the oceans in the hollow of his hand, and if your God can't measure the span of the heavens with his hand, then your God is too small. Verse 17 says, All the nations are as nothing before him. They are accounted by him as less than nothing and emptiness. The news has been pretty overwhelming about the nations as of late. A month ago, I didn't know what Boko Haram was, and I'm still not sure. But I know there are over 200 young ladies who have been stolen who need to be brought back home. And it angers me, and it concerns me, and I pray. I read the news this morning that the Christian woman in the Sudan, that the latest news out of Sudan is that she will be allowed to give birth. And then following the birth of her child, she will be given a hundred lashes, and then she will be hung. And I can't comprehend that. I read the news of North Korea, and I'm just blown away with the stupidity of it all. I read news out of China, and I, I hear of persecution And then I hear about the church flourishing in China and that within a generation they will send missionaries to us. 
And I say, hurry up and get here because we need to learn what you've got. And I can't make sense out of any of that. And God says, all the nations are as nothing before him. They are accounted by him as less than nothing and emptiness. And I have to say, if you're worked up about the nations, and that's your top worry, your God is too small. Verses 18 through 20 make me laugh. Because as I've learned to read Isaiah, I have learned that Isaiah is one of the most sarcastic Bible writers you can find. He's very sarcastic. And he says, To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness compare with him? How about an idol? Let's, let's take an idol that you have in your home probably. And, and a craftsman casts it, and a goldsmith overlays it with gold, and he casts it so that it can be supported on silver chains. But what about the poor man? What about the one who's too impoverished for an offering? Well, he, he chooses wood, but he makes sure it's wood that won't rot because he doesn't want his God to rot. And then he seeks out a skilled craftsman who will set an idol, to set up an idol that will not move. Literally what he's saying is, the skilled craftsman has to make sure that his God has a level bottom, and then make sure that his God won't fall over. And if your God has to be supported by silver chains, or else it'll be toppled, or if your God might rot... Your God is too small. And then he comes down to verse 26. Lift up your eyes on high and see. Look at the stars. Who created these? He brings out their host by number, calling them all by name. You know, I've, got a, I've got an app on my iPod, and it's really cool. You can take it and and you can hold it up to the sky at night, and it shows you all the stars. And if you zoom in, you can get a name. And, and there's like maybe half a dozen that I know the name. You know, I, I know where Sirius is, and, and I know how to find Rigel. And for some reason, I know one Beetlejuice. I know that one, you know. And, and there's maybe a couple, three others that I know about. But it says, God knows all of their names. God knows them all by name. And it says, he who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Right now, you know what's missing in your life. You know who is missing. If you went out tonight and looked up at the sky and one of the stars was missing, would you notice? No, I can't even name half a dozen of them. If you and I went out tonight and looked up at the sky and, oh, where did Proxima Centuri go? You know, we, we wouldn't do that. And yet God knows their name and he makes sure that not a single one of them is missing. He knows. And if your God can't keep track of the stars, then how can he keep track of us? And your God is too small. We, um, we make the end of this chapter about us. It's a beautiful last verse that ought to be on your heart. Some of you have it on your refrigerators. <laughs> you ought to have it underlined in your Bible. It's a, it's a beautiful verse here at the very end. The problem is we, we make it about us, and it's not about us. But he says in the last three verses, he gives power to the faint. 
And to him who has no might, he increases strength. And even youths shall faint and be weary. And young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I've noticed lately that people are putting jar lids on tighter than they used to. Has that happened to you guys? Is it just me? I'm noticing that people are putting the jar lids on a lot tighter than they used to. And I used to be the guy they called to open jars. (laughs) And I'm starting to realize I can't trust in my strength because I'm getting a little older. Isaiah says he gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. But he says even youths shall faint and be weary. And I guess I'm a youth because I'm getting weary. He says, and young men shall fall exhausted. We can't trust in the, in the strength of young men. You know, when you're a kid, you think you can do anything think that you can handle any problem, you think that you're invincible, and something like this happens and you realize you're not. But we trust in the strength of our kids. You know, we trust that they're going to be all right. And Isaiah says, you can't trust in their strength. If you're looking for their strength to solve all your problems, if you're looking for their strength to solve all their problems, you can't. And if you're trusting in the strengths of youths, whether it be whether it be an emotional situation, a depression, an addiction, whatever it is, if you're trusting in the strengths of the youths, your God is too small. Because there's not enough strength there. And instead, he says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And they shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary, they shall walk and not faint. And you guys have heard me say this before. I, I love how Isaiah says that backwards. Because when we were little, we learned how to crawl first, right? And then once after we learned how to crawl, we learned how to walk. And then after walking, we ran. And then maybe someday we learn how to fly. I don't know. I haven't got there yet. Um, but Isaiah says they will mount up with wings like eagles and, and they will fly. But there's days when you can't fly. There's days when you can barely walk. There's days when you can't run. You don't have that kind of strength. And they will walk and not grow weary. Some days, all you can do is crawl. But that doesn't mean that God is less. Because we're not trusting in our strength. We're trusting in His strength. And so we come to the communion table. Why do we do this? Why did Jesus give us this? In Matthew chapter 26, I'll just read this very quickly. Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Your God is not too small. 
your God holds holds the uh, the water in the palm of his hand. He hangs the earth himself. He stretches out his hand and measures the sky. And he comes down to earth because he wants you to know that beyond all of that, he knows you. He doesn't just know the names of the stars. He doesn't just know how much the earth weighs. He knows your name. That he wants us to know that he is with us and that he will always be with us. And he gives us this promise. I will not drink of the fruit of the vine again until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. We call this communion. One of my favorite doctrines that I will never wrap my head around is something we call the communion of the saints. And, and uh, it's not exactly what we're doing around the table, but it's one of them that I just keep coming back to over and over again. And it's been largely ignored by, by many of us. But it is the belief, and, and Paul's the one who spells this out in, in his letters very carefully. Paul talks about those who have died, and he says that they are the dead in Christ. And, uh, and the, the Greek, I, I hate using Greek here, but it, it, it means that, there are, that Christ has his arms wrapped around them. The, it is that, that they are in the sphere of Christ the dead in Christ. He talks about the dead in Christ will rise. He talks about those that have gone on as the dead in Christ. But then he talks about those of us who are living. And you know what he calls us? He says we are the living in Christ. And the the truth that's in that doctrine is that somehow in Christ, there is no separation for us. That if we are in Christ, we are always in Christ. Whether you're here, whether you're there, we are in Christ together. And I take great comfort And as I have lived a few more years and as more and more of my friends have gone on to that next life, I come back to that realization that we are still in Christ, that we are still one. And that my God is not too small. My God is bigger than autism. My God is bigger than cancer. My God is bigger than suicide. My God is big enough to encompass all of us and yet small enough to meet us at this table. That's my God. And know how he loves you and me. We're going to sing that song and I'll have the guys come forward. We'll take communion together.